Welcome to a very special Beyond the Big Ten collaboration podcast. We have members from the Are You Listening podcast and Carmen's crew, in addition to Evan Turner. My name is Austin Johnson. I'm one half of the Are You Listening podcast. My name is Adam Jardy. I'm with the Carmen's crew podcast, the Ohio State men's basketball beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch, and thrilled to be here. I'm Evan Turner. I'm a, you know, OG member of the Carmen's crew pod, uh, you know, original member of uh, Beyond the Big Ten, and, you know, just a, a loving Buckeye fan. Yeah, and Aaron Kraft here, former basketball player for Ohio State, and current med student trying to figure out life and getting to do something fun on the side. So great to be here with all you guys. Yeah, I forgot to mention, I'm a former player at Rutgers, and I currently call games on the Rutgers Sports Network and on the Big Ten Network as well. Big Ten basketball play is about to resume, fellas, so it's the best time of the year. We got college bowl games, but more importantly, Big Ten basketball on the horizon again. And we're here together because Rutgers and Ohio State are about to play today. So we're about to chop it up and talk about what our expectations are, how the season has gone so far, what we would like to see changed. And from the Rutgers perspective, it's been okay. I would say uh, a 500 season is pretty par for the course considering the record and how the team has played thus far. But as we know, being in the Big Ten, opportunity is always around the corner <laughs> um, to be able to come up against you know top-tier competitions and get big wins to pad your NCAA resume. Aaron, from your perspective, what have you seen from Ohio State? Yeah, you know, I think thus far they, they've responded well, obviously, to what all of what last year had held for them and everything that was a challenge and a struggle. Um, really love our guard play right now, and I think the way that college basketball is in general, if you have good guard play, um, you're going to be in most of the games you're playing in. So the way Bruce and uh, especially Roddy after the last game, those guys are, are really holding it down. But guys like Dale coming off the bench, um, we're deep in the guard position. So I, I like what I'm seeing. Uh, this is also the time of year last year where, where things kind of started falling off the rails. So um, excited to see how this team responds and if they can keep the momentum moving forward. Love that. From your perspective, what have you seen? Man, I, honestly, I, I've been, you know, pretty impressed with the team this year, especially considering last year. And, uh, you know, when you're sitting there, I, I was talking to Jay Debo not too long ago, and I was like, yo, anytime you have a backcourt that can combine for, you know, 10 assists a game and, you know, your point guard rarely ever turns it over, I think you're going to have a pretty good, you know, mm -hmm. chance of winning night in and night out. And, you know, besides the guys uh, in Purdue and, you know, some of the teams around, you know, Illinois, I think we have the best backcourt in the Big Ten. And um, you know, I'm a big fan of guard play. And anytime you have those guards getting going, that's a huge thing. And um, Bruce Thornton, I feel so comfortable with mm -hmm. him, you know, leading the way. I thought he had a great freshman year last year, a great Big Ten tournament. But his poise and his skill set, you know, his leadership was uh, – something you're waiting, you know, to unfold. And when you saw the young kids and how he handled himself as a freshman, you're like, oh, we'll be good next year when his voice is even louder and uh, he's able to make a bigger impact. And I think that's been a direct, uh, you know, result of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to echo everything you guys just said about the guard play because it has been pretty pretty exceptional. When I was talking to uh, Bruce Thornton the other day before the West Virginia game, I was asking about their backcourt, you know, getting uh, Farkin on. I know I don't know how to say his name, the Noah kid that is really good guard for, for West Virginia. And obviously, yeah. Kurt Creesa, I'm asking him, like, you know, what's it like going up against a backcourt like that? And he's like, you know, to be honest, we're not too worried about that. Like, mm -hmm. I'm with the, the talent that I have and Roddy has, like, he was real low key about it. But he's like, I feel like we're one of the best backcourts in the country. We can handle ourselves and I don't worry too much about the opponent. I just know what we have. And so I think when you have that kind of leadership and that kind of confidence in yourself in a backcourt, 
And then you have a guy like Jamison Battle who can take some yeah. of that pressure off mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, hey, the guards need to do everything. But then, like, Jamison's hitting 42% from three, I think. Like, they just have more pieces, it feels like, than they had last season to where it's a more dangerous team. And I think they're better set up to avoid a big, you know, spell mm-hmm. like they had last season. Yeah, when you speak about danger, you speak about guys like Jamison Battle that when he came from Minnesota, he had to, like, try to lead a team, which probably wasn't the best thing for him from his disposition. But now you have, you know, good guard mm-hmm. play and a freedom and a green light for Jameson to come out and, you know, shoot the piss out the ball. <laughs> and he's just been doing that and focusing on, you know, being a microwave. And I think that's what's been super fun uh, watching this team this year is people accept roles yeah. and really yeah, form sure. what a team is. When we played back in the day, everybody knew I wasn't a three-point shooter. I knew John and, and Will were going to hit shots. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't the best defender. I knew Dave Mighty was going to lock down. What did you do, Evan? What, what, what was your role? Man, it was I, nothing, man. I just showed up. <laughs> I just showed up and took the pictures, apparently. <laughs> no. It's going to be a good game. I think uh, despite Rutgers saying one thing for when these two teams have met, it hasn't been favorable for Rutgers over the last couple of years. And Ohio State's coming in at 11-2, and two, Rutgers at 8-4 and four on the year. But there's always that sense of real excitement especially playing at Value City uh, Arena when these two teams get together. Last season's uh, home game for Ohio State ended in dramatic flair, depending on which <laughs> yeah, side of the yeah, how you, you want to see. How you feel about that one? It was crazy. I was calling the game, and, I mean, Bruce clearly stepped out. And then I feel that it was also apparent that um, – I forget who's, who was it. Tanner. Uh, Tanner. He, he's back. At, Tanner Holden back at Wright State. Uh, now he got a jersey, took the picture, headed back up the road. I mean, it was a big time shot. Regardless of if the refs got the call right or not, um, I honestly feel Rutgers should have won that game because they outplayed yeah. Ohio State yeah. throughout that contest. They split the season series one and one for the year. So, um, what do you think the keys for the game would be for both of these teams? I think for Rutgers coming in, being very strong defensively. They're the best team statistically in holding teams to points per game mm-hmm. on average. And Ohio State's one of the best offenses in the entire Big Ten. So what do you think Ohio State has to focus in on? Yeah, you know, I <clears throat> I think it's going to be a tough battle, like you said. Uh, defensively, Rutgers is, is finding a way to, to get after teams and um, doing it in a very physical way. Uh, and I think that can be challenging for um, guards to handle at times, and especially our bigs too, you know, with – cliff down there for, for Rutgers it's it's tough to finish around around the paint mm-hmm. so um, you kind of saw the last game we had against West Virginia we didn't shoot the ball very well and it kind of kept West Virginia in the game throughout the process but um, we ended up finding a way to get hot when it mattered so um, just shooting the ball with confidence and that'll open up the paint a little more if we can make some early but if not it, it's going to be tough sledding kind of going throughout the end of the game a classic big 10 battle you know 40 to 35 kind of vibe <laughs> big 10 football score if you will no. i mean it's favorable looking at the series statistics we were just talking about it uh in the in the car ride over here Rutgers is 4 and 11 in this matchup but however they won the last game do you think series history matters in these types of matchups I think so. I brought this up when we were talking about Penn State, Ohio State. Mm. And, and sometimes when you start comprehending, or even when you look at Rutgers and what happened last year, you guys might think you swept us. Yeah. And when it's coming down to coaching and matching up and everything, I think that's somebody on the board where you're like, hey, we figured out that blueprint once. I, I believe we can do it again. And I think that's where the confidence is going to come from. I think one of the things that really held Ohio State back last season when you look at trying to break pressure 
with sometimes guys with the ball not necessarily being super strong with it and maybe making a really errant pass or just being a little too lackadaisical. And I think that you look at uh, Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale and, you know, Dale, Jameson even, like those guys know how to break a press, and I think they're more equipped to handle some of the physicality that Rutgers is certainly going to bring. Uh, But the thing that's most interesting to me about this is that Rutgers is the Big Ten's best defensive team and worst offensive team. Which, which is crazy. Because <laughs> like, when you're not good at offensive scoring, you will hope your defense is good so you get points in transition. Ones, yeah. yep. <laughs> and and, and they, they, they have uh, they've only scored more than 72 points twice in a game this season. And in the history of this series, when Ohio State scores more than 70, it's 9-1. and one. So wow. to me, it's like, well, if Ohio State gets 70 points, then there you go. It's free and French fries and a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I but think to that point, the uh, the speed limit has to be 60 miles per hour <laughs> or below, yeah. which is a good thing to aim for when you hang your hat on things yeah. defensively. Rutgers is undefeated this season when they're able to hold opponents at that 60-point mark, and they're being led by Cliff Amore, who's third in the nation mm-hmm. in rim protection. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to keep, I think, the Buckeyes in that in-between area is where they'll be able to flourish um, because that's where Ohio State, I think, has the one deficiency, deficiency offensively. They're crushing the three-point line, and when they're getting close to the rim with Zed and other players coming into the game, they're finishing at a very high rate. Can Rutgers keep them in between and take tough contested shots? Yeah, and I think that's our Achilles heel right now is uh, – you know, sometimes when we get, uh, you know, neutralized in that sense offensively, we're the most vulnerable. Yeah, And sure. uh, when you look at West Virginia, that was an under 500 team, still trying to figure out with a bunch of transfer portal people and all the stuff that occurred. Yeah. And it's change like, a coach late. Change all those a coach. Things, and know? it's like, yeah, when, when it's not looking good, we're in that position. So that's what, you know, if I were Rutgers or even if I was the Ohio State, you know, that's why we uh, be worried about the most is somewhat beating yourself. We were up. 18 versus Penn State yeah. gave that up. You know what I mean? That, we could be talking top 25 right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the the uglier you make a game for against us, the, the better it is. Like, I think we, we have guys that are good kind of in a flow and when the ball's moving, everything's going great. But when it's a little slowed down and we're trying to figure out um, trying to figure out how to make a shot, even, even the, the shot at the end of the game against West Virginia, you know, we call a timeout and I don't, I'm not – was he, we got a shot off, but I'm not super happy with the shot we got. It was yeah. not the shot they wanted. You know, yeah. so or you know, a yeah, 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 you know, something. Some that landed yeah. on yeah. The side so if if Rutgers can you know make the game a little uglier here and there, kind of get us in that half court offense and just make us think a little more without kind of playing with the flow, I think that that plays in Rutgers' hands for sure. Agreed. What's been the energy around like the? I've always been a fan of the Rutgers basketball fan base. The arena, uh, like the oh, games, it's great always, arena. yeah, it seemed pretty great crazy. Arena. So, like, what's the energy right now around the Rutgers program? You know what I mean, and being you know five hundred, considering what happened last year. Let's say uh, you know how people are like supporting teams. It's either ultra high or yeah. super low. Oh. Being in that even kill, I think, is the right place for any college sports fan. But that's never the case. Yeah. Um, after last game, rightfully so, um, they Stonehill. Statistically, one of the worst yeah. college teams of Division One level. I did not know that Stonehill was a school right. until I saw that box score. I, like, I looked them like a three. <laughs> three to Toddy's one. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, man. Honestly, I think, and I want to get into each of your perspectives on the mental aspect of playing college or any athletic sport yeah. at the at a later point. 
but Stonehill took them to the brink, and they only won by one. And scoring was the issue, but getting stops, obviously, is equally as important when you have to be able to pull one out. Um, Stonehill was down three starters in that game, too, so people are like, I don't know what this team is truly about at this point. But at the same token, you have Steve Peichel, who has built his career on beating ranked opponents or people who are receiving ranked votes. So I could easily see this team barely beating Stonehill, but coming out with their hair set on fire and really playing Ohio State tough. And then what do you think they'll do for the momentum? Because like we said right now, we're in the same part last year of the season where it turned for us. But, like, you still have a whole Big Ten season. And what's it, like 18 more games? Yep. 19 for Rutgers. 19 for Rutgers. That's what I'm saying. Like, it could just been a bad non-conference season see what's moving forward. Yeah, I was listening to a broadcast the other day where somebody was talking about how you build your team through – out of conference play, like up until conference play resumes. And I think that that's a really valid point. And you can treat conference play after the new year as a second season. You have more than enough Q1 potential victories at your disposal. That's the, I think, added benefit of being in the Big Ten Conference is because everybody's net is so good. And then you just go and beat up Mm -hmm. on one another. Yeah, emphasis on beat up on one another because you can muck up the game and make a game way closer than when you're doing like an ACC Big Ten challenge Mm -hmm, or whatever. You know, the, the style of play. It's a brawler more so. It one hundred percent is. You can grind a team down that's been scoring a lot of points earlier on in the season, and come out and really let your defense do the talking. So they have Iowa after this game. Iowa has always been a really tough matchup, but I think that when you start to look at the Big Ten Conference, it becomes like the matchups of the different styles. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that Rutgers and Ohio State. They play each other in a very unique way, which always produces mm. really good basketball a good game, games. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you mentioned, like, they have Iowa. When you look at the, the Big Ten schedule, I don't know how you prepare for college, but I wish I would look at the schedules more. Yeah. So you can not comprehend your run. I would try to count on my run. But when you look at, like, records, it's like, yo, you get a win at Ohio State, and then you go to a struggling Iowa. Mm-hmm. You, a, you know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah, for sure. Two or three. Yeah. Michigan State fumbles a couple. Like you yeah. might end up at the end of January, top three or four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a gauntlet. So we look yeah. at their next five games for Rutgers. They have you guys tomorrow, then it's at Iowa. Then you play Indiana at home. Indiana's the number one team statistically in the Big Ten right now. Then at Michigan State. They've never won at the Breslin Center because it's, the I think, one of the most difficult places to play in the entire Big Ten conference. What do you think? You think the Breslin <laughs> I really loved playing up at the Breslin. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was the most difficult f- for me. I, one of my best, my favorite wins in college is at that place. So, a little Buford jumper. How'd you know? <laughs> okay, I mean, it was also shit. it was also Draymond senior night. Um, so that that was just cherry on top. Yeah, that was a crazy game. Bro. Um, no, it was fun. You know what I mean? But um, it's a it's a fun place to play. You know, I think there are places in the Big Ten where. Fans can either they have really good fans, but either they're like really nasty and kind of they go too far, or they're really into it and they make it creative. And Michigan State has the history; they they, they do it well, and it's, it's fun to be up there. What do you think an optimal game for Rutgers looks like tomorrow? Like, if if Rutgers is walking out of Value City Arena with a win, like, what does that score look like? What does Rutgers? How do they play? To, to get their optimum game against this Ohio State team. It's a nasty grind it out of them. <laughs> <laughs> said they can't score and they play defense. <laughs> they have the second or third shortest time per possession in the entire conference. So when they're getting it, they're not getting it to secondary action. They're looking to go and try to get out in transition. So I think that it's a game where they out-rebound Ohio State. 
You got to mm. win the battle on the boards mm. because if you're not doable. getting rebounds, That's doable for you're sure. not getting out in transition. Right. You're really, really good from the free throw line, and you got to have a game where you have somebody catch uh, fire from deep from three. So who do you think could catch fire from your team from deep from three? Andre Hyatt. Yeah. I think Andre Hyatt's the guy. He's uh, the best offensive player and the most consistent offensive player that Rutgers has had this year. He's averaging around 13 points per game, and um, he just has the ability to mix it up, LSU transfer, so he's played at a high level, a former four-star guy as well. Mm. So, um, Mawat Mag recently came back off injury, and he... Yeah, good to see him back out he's there. He's a really good player, yeah. man, and he's an energy giver. Like, yeah. when he's on the floor... And he, and he killed us the last time, you yeah. know, and yeah. at Rutgers last year, so... Game by game, he's getting more confident in that knee. You know how it is yeah, coming yeah. off of ACL yeah. injuries. And then what about... Uh, you guys have been relying heavily on your freshmen as well. Yep. Correct. Jamichael Davis, yeah. Gavin Griffiths. Um, Gavin Griffiths is the highest rated recruit in the Steve Peichel era, but that'll quickly change <laughs> next year when Ace Bailey and Dylan Harper and Lathan Somerville and Brian Dorch all come in. It's a phenomenal recruiting Man. class, but he showed flashes of brilliance throughout the year. He's had a 25-point outing and then he's had a zero point out yeah. so it's just ebbs and flows that your freshman season uh. bring and you know how that goes but Jamichael uh, Davis who's been uh, a pleasant surprise is leading the nation for freshmen and assisted turnover ratio mm. so he's been a real steady presence but he's been out he, he missed the last game so we'll see if he actually plays uh. tomorrow then you guys brought up uh, obviously that recruiting class and I was saying earlier you guys had a great year last year I thought it was a good year and then considering you have, like, the number one recruiting class coming in, I would take a down year to be able to re reset and refire with some NBA talent. You saw Arius the other night. I mean, I know there hasn't been many wins at that arena this year, but, I mean, that was a great follow-up performance to the Stonehill situation, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I think um, just seeing that level of brilliance on the court – is something that Rutgers fans have never mm. witnessed before. Look, me neither. Six, <laughs> foot, <laughs> six foot eleven. Yeah. Um, can mix it and score in so many different ways. But I think what was most telling about uh, his approach to the game was the motor. He was relentless. Mm -hmm. At 24, 25 rebounds in the game, and he mm. was he was talking his talk to dudes from Camden, which dudes aren't so yeah, got yeah, two yeah. players yeah. over the last two years that went to Kentucky. Another guy this year that's going to Kentucky that was matched up with the entire game. Yeah. So uh, he relishes in the moment to really show that he's about that action. That's Jerry Lucas type of rebounding right there. Mm, what are you telling? <laughs> 20 rebounds. You're going after something, mm. right? You're going after something for well, sure. Yeah, uh, I think your teammates might say they were doing a lot of the work for you to grab those 24 rebounds if that was you. Oh, I I was definitely still in rebounds <laughs> back in the day. So it is what it is. I, w I wanted to get your guys' thoughts because we're talking about how tough Rutgers is and what the, this game might look like. And looking at how Ohio State's played this season, games against West Virginia, UCLA, you know, some of these more physical, difficult games they've had to battle their way through. Do you think, do you see progress in this Ohio State team as far as handling a physical challenge from, you know, you guys have played it, you know this game better than anybody. Like, do you see progress from this team that you think would help them in a challenge like they're going to face tonight? I think so because, you know, I, I don't take for granted a win. You know what I mean? So even though even last sure. game with West Virginia wasn't the prettiest, we still came out and we won. Mm -hmm. And we still, like, battle. And I think when it's coming down to the season we had last year, every little moment, especially early on, counts because it could show some type of resemblance of 
the hell those kids just went through last year. Yeah. So when I seen them being resilient and being able to buckle in mm-hmm. and lock in, it shows me how much work they've done as a unit, you know, during the off season. But then, it, like, like I said, once again, ahead of the snake, like Bruce Thornton, even when he said, like, I don't really worry about other backcourts, I think we're one of the best backcourts in the country. To have that type of confidence yeah. of, as a freshman after a terrible year. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't think it's fake. I think it's, it's yeah. real. That's it's how real. It's genuine. And, genuine, and, that's, yeah. and that's, it's little things like that where you have a different, a different, 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 different feel. Last season. You just you didn't just know. Be, you you just, just didn't know. And you just be you happy no for it. Even when you won, you'd be like, man, this, yeah. this shit ain't it. Yeah. You understand yeah. what I'm yeah. saying? So. Yeah, yeah I, th- I agree. I was going to say, I think the you can tell the guards are playing with more confidence yeah. and i think that's where the improvements come from like last year it just it hurt because you, you could tell everything was moving so fast for those guys mm-hmm. um and then <clears throat> things would just snowball and they wouldn't know how to get themselves out they didn't know who to turn to and this year they're kind of you know they want to be they're taking that responsibility on themselves they want to be the person that everyone else can turn to and say hey everything's under control i can handle the situation um, and like you said, Bruce saying something like that and being genuine, but also, you know, in a way that um, in the right way, he's not being cocky, but being yeah. confident is what you want. Um, I will say, having played in it, uh, other teams attempt to be physical, but I, I think it, the Big Ten physicality is slightly different, especially with a team like Rutgers that's like what they want to do like that's their their way their style of play um so it will be a little different to see how we can handle it on a more consistent basis it's going to happen every game yeah um yeah. which kind of wears on you a little bit but uh i mean overall i love the trajectory that we're on and hopefully it just continues to build like you said I, we probably don't win the west virginia game last year right. in my mind and we found a way to win probably so. not the ucla game either yeah. and the understatement is if in this conference like we said earlier if you're not physical, you just get punked. You yeah. have the best team, best sure. offensive team, the best players, but literally you go into Purdue, get beat up. You go into Iowa City, get beat up. And literally, this is a conference you lose in. It's not sexy like the mm. Big 12, the ACC, where they're scoring 98 points in 32 minutes. It's like, nah, you're going to get beat up, For sure. game plan, and scouted. To that point that you brought up, you started off saying how this is a guards game this year. You got to have really good guard play to be dominant. I can see that this is a type of contest that can come down to the front court because last year you had Zed Key that yeah. set a season or a career high against Rutgers going right at Cliff, and they were going at one another. And Cliff is third in the nation in blocks. What do you think Jamison Battle and Zed's influence will be in tomorrow's con- in today's contest? Zed's kind of struggled recently. I'm actually very interested to see how he handles a Big Ten play and kind of getting back into the flow of physical challenges night in and night out because it's not been his best string of games. Uh, but I think when he's effective, like you know you can dump it into him and get a bucket. Sure. Yeah. And that was one thing that when this team went in its spiral last year, they didn't have that because he was hurt. So I think that would be a big thing toward, yeah, trying to neutralize some of that that front court. I'm, I'm interested to see how Felix Akpara yeah, for sure. yeah. handles this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's yeah. he's kind of quietly played some really good games recently. Uh, he's been more aggressive defensively, but under control. Um, you know, he's not a primary offensive focal point, but when he gets the ball, he's probably going to dunk it. Yeah. Tried yeah. to throw it on a crazy one the other day that did not go down, <laughs> but, like, you like the effort. Yeah, do the Please do that. Yeah. yeah. No, he has the nasty, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think <clears throat> it'll be interesting with Zed, obviously, last year – uh, with the games that he played, uh, he should have a lot of confidence going in. Um, and Cliff's going to be on the other end of that, wanting to kind of prove that 
um, last year was more of a fluke than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Zed struggling a little bit, it'll be interesting to see. But um, the matchup to start the game, you know, if we if we go have how we have been before with Felix starting, um, I think it could be a challenge for Felix. You know, not just um, you know on the help side on defense, but one on one against Cliff. You know, I think going against a veteran guy that's had time in the Big Ten, um, he's definitely a comfortable on the post and then down there. So um, having to be physical and, and learning how not to foul and, and play physical at the same time, I think it will be good for, for Felix. And then it only sets him up for the rest of the big, the big 10 season with, you know, guys like Edie that you have to go against and <laughs> um, just craziness. So um, I, it'll be interesting to see down the stretch. And I love how Cliff plays, you know, I think he, he has that motor, but um offensively and defensively he can he's grabbing every rebound and obviously trying to block everything so it's always a, a fun time for me to watch you know a big guy that that plays hard because that's what I envision how I would play if yeah. I was 6 11 you know watching you play I think that's a really be, good statement in comparison uh, for sure um, considering where where Cliff is with his season at this point they're at 500 he's averaging 11 and 9 um, mm. and he's going to have to be I think better for Rutgers to continue mm. to have any success this year, scoring above and beyond where he currently is. Um, but they lost a lot, a lot of attrition mm. this offseason yeah. and people who were creating for him in previous years. No Paul Mulcahy, mm. no Cam Spencer, no Caleb McConnell, who's the reigning you know defensive player of the mm. year in this conference. So I think the onus of him to be able to create for himself is asking him to do things that he's never yeah. done before. I was – uh, rapping with Coach Steve Pico from Rutgers at a practice a couple weeks ago, and he says that he's never had guards this small, and that creates oh. a lot of problems where you have you know Noah Fernandez, who's you know six one maybe on a good day, having to go down and bang with a Zach mm-hmm. e or bang with you know some of the other bigs in the in this league yeah. like a Felix Akpara. What was your mentality um, as a guard going down to help your 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 bigs gang rebound? <laughs> I'm smacking you. That's that was my mentality. You know, I uh, for better or for worse, uh, guards tend to get away with a little bit more physicality, especially when it comes to screens and boxing out and that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, my targets were hips and, and knees for mm-hmm. sure. Not that I was trying to hurt anyone, but um, as a big, yeah, low man wins You know, if, if I hit you, if I hit you works. lower, you're gonna kind of you hit them right there. They're they're gonna just stop moving. You, you know. Um, and then I think the other thing is just having a head on a swivel and just being willing to be down there. I think some guards can get a little fearful of going down there and just sticking their nose where it may or may not be long. So um, just letting your bigs know that you're, you're willing to do that. Um, and then also there are times where you can take um, subtle shots, shuttle, just extra bodies on a guy on, on a rebound. If, if my guy's going to get back on, you know, back on defense and I'm by myself, I can either stand and, and watch and see where the ball is going to go, or I can go double box out and go take a free shot at someone's side. It's just, get them out of the way. Those are things that I enjoy doing. You know, guys like um, Myers Leonard is the first name that comes to my mind. Um, Just banging with those guys, Mm -hmm. Derek Nix, Draymond, you know, all those guys just be willing to go down there and um, help them out. Um, So it's, it's fun. You just gotta, you just gotta do it because they let you, they let you do it. Yeah. I think that's one thing Purdue does really well. Braden and Mm -hmm. they come back and help out. 
when it's outside of uh, Zach Eady's area. Mm-hmm. Well. Sure, he gets a rebound every three possessions. <laughs> so all rebound every three possessions, which is crazy. Right, so many bodies running at him, it's probably easy to run around and get all the extra ones. What are you thinking about from a player personnel standpoint? Who are the key players that Ohio State has to have play well? And I'll get into some of the Rutgers guys that you think in order for them to win the game. Besides the big three that we mentioned, yeah, Roddy Gale, obviously, uh, yeah, those guys. I, I, yeah, I want to. I'm a big fan of Scotty Middleton. He's going through it right now. Yeah, d- definitely. But I seen him at the Damian Lillard camp a couple years ago. He's such a natural athlete. I think. Uh, this, this freshman year is going to be amazing for him because he's physically filling out. Mm-hmm. He probably grew an inch since then, and he's learned so much. But I think if we had to be like, forget it, like, or we had to go up against Purdue or whoever, I would love to see a small, <laughs> Let go off, huh? I would love to see a small ball situation yeah. where Jamison at the five make EDV out, shoot the shit out the ball yeah. the whole night. <laughs> I I would sign up to watch that. That would be fun. Yeah, I mean, Scotty would be interesting. I feel like he's due for kind of a bounce back game. I think he's like one for his last 18 from the floor. I mean, he's just really like, you guys know what that's like. You can see it in freshmen where you've done something at a high level your whole life, and then suddenly the shots aren't falling, and you Mm-hmm. Holtman's talked a lot in the last week or so about guys trying to lose themselves in the flow of the offense and the flow of the game, and your offense will come. Feels like Scotty's been forcing it a little bit lately, so this maybe this is a game where he mm-hmm. he gets it going. Um, you know, I'd like to see probably a little bit more from like an Evan Mahaffey, oh, yeah. who's still not there offensively, and I don't think we're going to see like the full, you know, whatever he becomes. I don't think we're going to see that this year. But um, you know, he had I think four turnovers in that. Uh, in that mm-hmm. uh, West Virginia game, and they were all kind of unforced, just like not totally sure of himself. I think mm-hmm. if he can play with some confidence, he's one of those guys that it doesn't really show up on the box score a lot, but I think he could be impactful in a game like this, just moving the ball, keeping the offense going, and being able to help them defensively. Yeah, understood. For Rutgers, I think it starts with the senior leaders, the veterans, and Cliff Amore, Mawat Mag, and Andre Hyatt. Um, they have to bring the energy. Um, on both sides of the the floor because the scoring has just not been easy for them. And Mawad is just so interchangeable defensively where you can have him at the head of that snake from a pressure standpoint. Interested to see how Bruce um, and Roddy deal with some of the pressure looks that Rutgers have to throw at them uh, tomorrow. But in addition to those three guys, we'll see who who starts and plays from the three guards that they have rotating in a two-guard position. Mm-hmm. Derek Simpson's a name that I think can continue to play better. He had a phenomenal Big East tournament last season, um, and he's just been hot and cold uh, in his scoring, but he creates very well, too. Um, and then one of the freshmen, I think, um, if J. Mike or Gavins can have a really good game, you always take that added scoring as a premium on top. Who do you think the best freshman is in the Big Ten? Or some of them? I'll start with you, Aaron. You go first. Uh, it's a really, really good question. Why do you think? And I actually, one, I think I like Blackwell from uh, from Wisconsin. Okay, yeah. He's tough. Yeah. I like the way, I like people who come in and they, they're a perfect fit within the system. Um, and I also felt that coming into this season, uh, Wisconsin, the expectations I didn't have for mm. them to potentially be in contention for a Big Ten title. But they're, and, yeah, they're there. And they're now. right there in that place. And I think it's because of some of the producti- productivity that they're getting from the younger players. Yeah. I'm a, it's a dark horse, but uh, the kid from Minnesota, Cam Christie, mm. I don't think he's the best freshman, but I think like that was a big get for uh, Coach Johnson. And some of the moments he had this year, 6'4", 6'5", wiry guard, wing, I kind of like how he played. He stepped up, made some shots. But uh, 
That's, I, I play favorites over size the old state guy. <laughs> they, they took him over uh, Taysen Chapman. That's why Chapman's at Ohio State. Cause really? Yeah, Minnesota prioritized him over Chapman. Uh, damn, I'm not mad at that. <laughs> T- I mean, Taysen Chapman's good as well, but I, I know Cam. It's Max Christie's little brother, so right. I've known Cam for a minute. So Nice, yeah. I, I like the Freeman kid from Iowa. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard because I don't know that Iowa's really all that good. Yeah. So, you know, are the empty statistics that he's putting up? Mm-hmm. But he's he's producing. Yeah. And it's like if you're trying to figure out what Iowa has, I think that's something that maybe, you know, McCaffrey can be building around moving forward. But I don't really like this Iowa team, so yeah. that's not a great answer. The family business. They talk about succession <laughs> planning. Oh, you're talking about uh, with McCaffrey and everybody? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, if you can make it work, make it do what it do, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I like Freeman, too. He's been balling. Um, the future is bright for those. And you know they're always going to just put up a ton of points. Yeah, but their defense is even worse than yeah, normal. True. That's the thing that blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, anytime it's tough, it's not like anybody's fault, but, but anytime your seniors don't always have their best years, mm-hmm. Like, your team is going – I mean, your team is going to struggle mightily. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think that's what we've been seeing around the conference a little bit are the seniors struggling respectfully and, and, and you know, to get going, again, going slow. You look at uh, Michigan State, some of their guys started off a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at – we just mentioned Iowa. You know, you have a couple of players like uh, – who is it? Ulyss that you would think would get going. He started off a little bit slow as well. But I, I think for sure – in the long term, I, I want to see, uh, you know, teams put it together so we can get back to that Big Ten dominance of, you know, six or seven top 25ers, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible this season? Man, I, I don't know. I, I think there are so many other leagues that have so many they have so many good teams in them, you know, the the Big East. Yeah, the, the new Big East is The crazy. Big 12, yeah, the AC. Like, yeah. I think it's hard to, to crack all of them. I think we've had some good surprises this year thus far um, and some weird surprises with Michigan State kind of, like you said, just very oddly kind of falling off and trying to figure it out, which I think they will. They have the guard play to, to do it, but Wisconsin obviously has played well, and Illinois has kind of shot – shot themselves up a little bit too mm-hmm. so um i'm not sure and obviously Purdue's there but um i don't know if this year's the year for that to happen we might sneak like you know we're close um yeah. i think some other teams may be close but i don't know if we're going to get the amount of teams within the top 25 and um just hopefully we have enough firepower to to get some teams in the tournament and i think at the end of the day it just depends on what we do at the end of the season for um, sure. because for the last few years we've just we have laid a massive egg on everything in, in the postseason. So, um, why is that? I mean, I, yeah, yeah, that's a whole I, other. I, I want to ask Aaron. <laughs> shit, I don't know. I only, I, why we talked about this on our pod about why it seems to always come to fruition and when will be the next time the Big Ten basketball yeah, conference I, will hoist a, a championship trophy. Yeah, I want. That's a real question. Well, put him on the spot. I, I think I think that the league is so compacted in the middle that in order to separate yourself from those teams in the middle, you have to play like those teams in the middle because you can't throw a completely unique style of play against them and then expect that you're going to win enough games to get yourself in the tournament. So I feel like what you have to do to win in the Big Ten, more often than not, doesn't set yourself up, doesn't set you up to win in March. Yeah. And I think that's the problem, is that there's too many teams in the Big Ten that kind of play somewhat similarly. It's obviously a well-scouted league, mm-hmm. but the, it's just so compact in the middle. And to get yourself out of that, you either have to be Purdue right now, 
or, or do what Michigan State does, or do what Michigan State does, Every and there's year. and they're just kind of stuck. And I feel like until you find a way to bring your own style to the league that can separate you and also set you up for March, then I just feel like that's how you end up with a bunch of six, seven, eight seeds that are have long odds to make a deep run. Yeah, okay, I mean the seeding matters. You know, like it the, absolutely does the the run yeah. and the and the draw that you get matters. So I think you know when we did we have had teams make runs the teams have been higher seats because the, the, the runs and the, the matchups they've had have been more favorable. Um, and then <clears throat> early on in the tournament, if you get an easier game earlier, then you're more comfortable and you can play a little bit more your style and you're in more in control. If you're a six, seven, eight seed, you're going in as much as you, you think you're going to win, but you're playing against a better team that's more confident and going to come out and give it their all. Then it's kind of a 50-50 game, and we're just we're losing all of those games right now. Yeah, I feel like luck has to flip at some point, too. I mean, that's certainly part of it. Like, the fact that the Big Ten has had as many talented teams as it's had in mm-hmm. the last 23 years hasn't won a title. Some of that just does come down to the randomness of the tournament. I mean... You know, Kentucky knocking you guys out in the Sweet 16 that, that year. Like that kind of that kind of stuff. Like that. Why team. we got to bring up old stuff? No, no, well, like I'm saying, like that's, it makes no sense. You guys like, are by far the best team in like a few years. Like you know what I mean? Or just like the other other teams. Like the, I mean, you know, the Odin team. You know, goes to the tournament, yeah. goes to the championship game, but plays a historically dominant veteran Florida team that decides everybody's going to come back, back. Yeah. and run it back. And, and like seven that, deep. that never <laughs> happens. But it happened that year, and yeah. guess what? Ohio State's best team in 30 years runs mm-hmm. into that. Like Those things just seem to happen to the Big Ten. I feel like at some point that luck flips, but it has not. Heard that. I mean, that's a perfect segue, I feel like, and just talking about the conference all in all is about what makes the Big Ten just so special from each and everybody's perspective. I'll start with you, Aaron. Yeah, and I think the history plays a big part in it. You know, we haven't had great success recently, but when you look at the teams in the past, they've had great success. You know, going into a place like Indiana and seeing multiple national national championship banners up. Um, yeah, I mean that gets you that gets you fired up. It gets mm-hmm. you going. Um, the same thing with Michigan State, and I just think it's um, this the history of it uh, makes it great. But I, the teams are good. You know, there's not a game that you can take for granted, and I think that just teaches you a lot about basketball, teaches you a lot about life and um, just going in and wanting to make the most of every opportunity. Otherwise someone's going to kind of take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's probably one of the bigger lessons that I learned after having those really good teams is uh, man, just having past success wasn't enough. Like being able to bring it every day um, mattered. And and that caught up to me my senior year where you you think everything's going to happen easily, but take making the most of those things and going into every game, knowing that you can lose. I think that just makes the winning and the competition that much more special. I think, uh, just leaving college and everything uh, and realizing, like, the fan base is crazy. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you go to any major city anywhere, there's always a Big Ten bar or Ohio State bar or whatever, but I feel like that yeah. cult-like following is what mm-hmm. makes the Big Ten let besides, like, the talent and, and then competition. And you see here as well, um, I've been speaking about it, but Big Ten isn't always the most sexiest in regards to offense, but every game is like a playoff-type battle. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you walk into Iowa – you be a number one team in the country and really actually might lose because yeah. it's that type of energy, that type of excitement. And there's, I feel like the fan base is just crazy. And that's why I, I always thought the Big Ten was super cool, especially compared to any SEC school. So, mm-hmm. Man, Evan stole my answer. Oh, like, shit. All right, we'll rerun it. <laughs> I got another one. I mean, you know, as, as someone who's paid to go to these games and I've had every Ohio State game, like, 
I love going to Big Ten games, and I know that make makes me a bit of a pariah, and like I think nationally because <laughs> people like look down on the Big Ten, all the style of play and things like that. But how many times do you watch a Big Ten game if you really like basketball it, that you don't come away from it entertained? And yeah. you're not locked in. I mean, like, yeah, you're going to get a clunker every now and then. But I feel like on any given night, I'm going to flip on a Big Ten game, and I'm going to be engaged. And yeah. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be invested in who's going to win. I feel like it's usually pretty good basketball. And even if it's not, it's close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like, like, it's going to come down to a couple of possessions. And, so. and, and I, I mean... That can be hell when you're on deadline trying to make sense of a story or, you know, a game when, you know, you got to write your story the second the game is over. But, you know, from just a fan standpoint, an objective standpoint, it's fun to get invested in Big Ten basketball. I just genuinely enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like a lot of the points focused around a lot of similar themes that preparation. I think it's the best scouted league in the entire country, which some would argue could also be what ultimately cannibalizes (laughs) this team at the end of each season when it's time for conference play. But just the unpredictable nature for me about not knowing how the storylines are going to play out. You have, just for instance, in present time, Illinois looking like they're really about the challenge for you know, a real mm-hmm. championship opportunity. And then now they got to deal with a little bit of adversity. Seeing Northwestern go in and beat Purdue I mean, is wild. They lost to Chicago. That I killed know. me when they lost. You know, I'm from Chicago. So it's like <laughs> to lose Chicago State is like, I ain't going to say it. <laughs> but to lose your top 25 ranking because you lost to Chicago State is crazy. But that also go. shows you got to go out there and play the game. No, absolutely. But nah, now with Chicago State. <laughs> Yeah, man, the resources and then just the landscape, seeing the expansion in the next couple of years. The conference is only on the up and up. And what do you think about that in regards to, like, the landscape, the the conference being on the up and up? And I guess this would be, like, we're all Big Ten individuals. So I remember how I felt when they put the Big Ten tournament on the East Coast. That's right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm excited for the expansion of of everything because I I think the Big Ten conference is thorough. I just want to – it's going to be tough, but I just I want the Big Ten to keep its identity in a certain instance. Uh, Not in a negative way, because I think the yeah. West Coast style of play and open up will make it more entertaining, but, like, I still like how the 10 is. And then we open up to kick the shit out of the, the, the Pac-12 <laughs> schools like we didn't know we could do. No, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be – and it's going to be interesting that the combination of styles of play and just figuring out how that's going to mesh. Like you said, you know, I – it's very difficult to see like Oregon playing like a Wisconsin, right? Um, <laughs> right, which, on, a t- on a Tuesday yeah, in February, but that it, time travel is going to be, yeah. No, I the, the West Coast teams, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a, a real challenge for them figuring out how to pair games and get them, you know, have there be gone from home for like a week or whatever. They have to, yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be challenging on the student athletes themselves. And I don't know if we came here to play school or not, but um, I think it's still just. There's going to be a, a lot of random things they have to work out. Um, overall, I think as a from a fan perspective, it, it probably will make the product more interesting and, and fun to watch. And um, it, it's cool for the guys to be able to travel to these places too and, and get to see them. So uh, us too. I'm, I'm going to be all at all the West Coast. Mm, you, got, you got space <laughs> over there? Yeah, I'm going to be at all the West Coast spots for real. A West Coast Big Ten. T- a tournament at some point? I mean, if it's, in, oh, for sure. yeah, if it's, it's on the beach of Malibu, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. I guess in conclusion, fellas, we talked about a lot. What are your – we're going into uh, the game today for Rutgers and Ohio State. If you got to give a definitive answer of who's winning and what the final score is, what's that going to be? I got us 87. Wait, y'all don't score more than yeah, 60? There's no way we're 67. scoring that. 
But if you already have the worst offense in the Big Ten, I don't know how that how well that travels. So I think that's <laughs> unless unless Rutgers is winning like forty to thirty five, I think this is like seventy three to fifty eight Ohio State, something like that. So I, I'm gonna be the fourth guy to agree. No, actually I'm not. I'm not yeah. Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. Bold. Bold. Sunday NFL countdown, agreeing with everybody else just because of what they said. I'm going with Rutgers. I think that they find a way to keep Ohio State way below their season averages and really try to run them off the three-point line and make it interesting. And somebody just has to hit and play well offensively and get something going on the road when your team needs it. I think it'll be Andre Hyde or Mawat Mag. I think Rutgers will win the game 64 to 58. Ooh, okay. It'll be a grinded out, nasty, then we shooting slow 30, offensive game. 32% from the field if we got, <laughs> if we got 58. What do you think about that? Um, it's hard for me right now, even though Ohio State has had some rough goes lately, I, I don't see them being held to that low of a number. I just feel like, as opposed to last year, they just have too many guys right now that are playing. That could yeah. Go off at any given time. Yeah, and and I think like if they're not if they're running off the three point line, I feel like Bruce's mid mid range game, Roddy's mid range game. You know, the ability to draw fouls, get the, to the line, distribute. Distri- like they're both getting six assists apiece. Like, yeah, yeah. If they can't if they get going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, obviously, it's an elite type of defense. Hasty's yeah. played some really tough defenses so far. I could I could see some crazy scenario where they do Ohio State does tend to drop a game every now and then that we don't see coming, so. Could that happen? I, I mean, you can't rule it out, but that mm. that's kind of where I am. Rutgers would have to rebound, out-rebound. They'd have yeah. to force some turnovers that would be uncharacteristic right. of us at this point, you know, and give them some easy baskets. And then we'd have to go cold. Uh, and multiple people would have to go cold, which is possible. You know, I think. Yeah. And at home. Possible. Yeah. And at home. And be, um, yeah, be super unprepared. Like, not saying a lot has to happen, but it's just like, nah, you just, you keep. Dang. I'd say a lot does have to happen. That's what I'm but, saying. Yeah, but things have happened, too. Sure. You got to go out and play the For game. For sure. Yeah. 100%. Definitely got to go out and play the game. Well, we'll see you tonight, man. It'll be a big game at uh, the Shining Steam Center. And, uh, you know, just look up in the Raptors. You'll see 21. <laughs> Love. Not a show. <laughs> we'll cut that out. <laughs> I appreciate you guys tuning in for this special collab of Carmen's crew and the Are You Listening podcast. We got to do this again. This is fun, fellas. 